Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris back again. Episode 195, where we go back nearly 25 years and cover Gamma Ray's Power Plant album back from 1999. Uh, an excellent choice, my friend. But before we get to all things German power metal, how are you, my friend? Uh, not bad. Uh, hanging in there. Um, this was definitely... Uh, you wanted a palate cleanser. I thought this was definitely a palate cleanser um, in, in the best way. So uh, I'm excited to talk about this. I think this is going to be our third uh, Gamma Ray discussion. And um, we've, this this is what I consider the, the, the peak of Gamma Ray is its trilogy of albums, uh, Land of the Free, Somewhere Out in Space, and Power Plant. Um, so... Yeah, this is uh this is a good one. Um this is uh, an album that uh I just remember liking so much when it first came out and um it was uh fun to go back and and listen to it again. Yeah, it it definitely was and I think that on the heels of last week's Saint Anger episode it definitely serves as a palate cleanser. Um it may have made the album artificially high in my rankings just because anything in comparison was going to be good. But kidding aside, um I am, as the reviews for St. Anger and People's Thoughts uh, start rolling in, both not only on our Patreon, but on the official social media sites for the podcast, it's remarkable how this album sold so well, that is St. Anger, and yet universally, nobody likes this thing, and yet it won a Grammy. I mean, like the it, it is an enigma of enigmas that this album quote unquote did as well as it did given the universal hatred for it. It's 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 it really is remarkable. And I think that it may be a sign of um, you know, print media and magazines and all of, and the earlier days of the internet and all that stuff because it seemed like it got pretty good praise in the mainstream press, but then nobody liked it. So go figure. I just wanted to kind of say that before we move on and never speak of the album again. I hope. <laughs> Um, I think that it was, uh, you know, we talked about how it, you know, it was so, so, so anticipated that Metallica was going to make a, a, a more traditional metal album after load and reload. So I'm wondering if just the anticipation of that kind of drove those record sales, um, you know, cause for an album that generally received a lot of negative reviews, albeit not everyone dislikes it. I mean, we had one person on Facebook who was just like, unless they were just being incredibly sarcastic, was uh, was was saying that they really liked um, they really li- liked Saint Anger. So you know, hey, whatever. I, I as uh, as Keith said, um, the review was basically uh, you saying that the song was terrible and me saying it was fine. <laughs> Listen, somehow we were able to talk about it for an hour. I have a feeling we'll have a little more substantive stuff to say today. But I, kidding aside, I was happy to cover it. I, I think it would be quite boring if we liked everything that came across our plates. Uh, I, I'm particularly curious about what we're doing next week because it's something we've never talked about, even offline. I mean, I know you're going to say good things about Power Plant. I obviously have um, some high praise for it as well, although some interesting thoughts with the benefit of hindsight, but uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's good to pick things that are certainly outside our comfort zone. And that, that album most certainly is, but there was a band that 
essentially rose from the ashes out of nowhere that I was so happy to see release a new song. And this one went completely under the radar for me. And by that, I mean new music that came out about two weeks ago. And I had simply had no idea that this track had ever been released. I'm talking about the band Balance of Power and they released a new single called Never Be Here Again. And for those that are like not familiar with this band, um, this was a British band that had the luxury of having Lance King sing for a number of their classic albums. He then left the band and they got the singer from, I believe, Biomechanicals to sing on their last release, Heathen Machine, which has to be over 15 years old at this point. I love that album just the same. This is a band that I've wanted to cover on the podcast for whatever reason. I just haven't selected them, but I love this band. And they probably released four or five albums over the course of a decade or so. And every one of them was great. And then they just went dormant uh, prior to, you know, going on a lengthy hiatus. They had announced that their new singer was Corey Brown from Psychodrama and Magnitude 9. And for whatever reason, they just never recorded anything with the guy. So when I saw that this video had popped up seemingly out of nowhere on YouTube, I I immediately clicked on it, kind of expecting to hear Corey Brown, even though it had been 15 years. And it's not, it's, it's, it's not Corey Brown at all. To the, to the contrary, they've actually hired a, or, or brought in a new female singer to join the band. Um, apparently this single is from a new album, Fresh from the Abyss, aptly named, coming out April 19th on Massacre Records. And while I liked the song, and I even liked the female vocalist, it was just a bit jarring for me because I was so not expecting anything from the band, let alone with this type of a singer. So I need to spend some time with this. I'm absolutely going to listen to the album the day it comes out. I am just such a massive fan of the band, but my preconceived notions of what this was or should have been, um, this, what I heard was not it. So it's going to take a little time to come back around on this one. I sent it over your way. Did you have a chance to listen to it? And and if so, what were your thoughts on this? I know you're not as big of a fan of the band as I am, but I think you can certainly appreciate the melodic um, elements of what they do, you know, or at least what they did back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the single quite a bit, and I thought that um, having a female vocalist kind of added some new flavor to this band who hasn't uh, released an album since... 2003 so it's been well over wow, 20, 20 years. years see and i'm thinking it was 2007 in my mind so it's uh, it's been a long time coming you can imagine my surprise yeah um yeah it was good i'm looking forward to hearing the rest of it the album is set to drop on april 19th um the new singer's name is hazel jade rogers she's from ireland um yeah like my knowledge of the band prior is some songs here or there um I don't know that I know too much from the post-Lance King era, which I believe was only one album, but um, I, this is definitely on my radar because this is just one of those bands I remember hearing about like years ago um, and just never really getting too deep in the weeds with. Um, so, yeah, I will definitely be checking this out when it is released, but um, I enjoyed the these first single for sure. I would be remiss not to select one of their albums going forward. The interesting thing, though, is I don't know which era to choose because 
the 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 one album they did, Heathen Machine, without Lance back in two thousand three, as you pointed out, sounded really aggressive and a little different from their prior material. But I loved it, and obviously, um, they had released a string of albums with Lance, which I just thought were fantastic. Um, just some of the most melodic, well written songs that just hit the sweet spot. Um, I will say the song Higher Than the Sun, which is the opening track on the Perfect Balance album from 2001, one of my all-time favorite songs. Um, That whole album is is incredible, to be honest with you. That's one of my favorite albums, like a low-key album that we just don't talk about much. Um, That would be a good one to do. And quite frankly, I would follow it up with Heathen Machine because they are so different, but they're both great in their own way. Story for another day, needless to say – um, lots to look forward to on that front just because it's been so long and I'm such a big fan. Yeah, that's always great news to hear like a, a legacy band like that kind of making a, a comeback. So um, good stuff. Uh, file them uh, with uh, Elegy making a comeback and uh, like Conception. Like it's, it's cool to see these kind of bands just uh, rise from the ashes, like you said. No doubt, no doubt. And I just want to mention one other band that is certainly on my radar with a new album. I actually have a promo copy of this, but on April 19th on Nuclear Blast, uh, My Dying Bride, the uh, English death doom band, is coming out with a new album. And this wouldn't have even been on my radar, but for the fact that I love their set on 70K and I thought it was just really uh, good stuff that I wanted to kind of go back and check out the back catalog. But here we are with a new album on the horizon. So I think I'll start with the new one and work my way back. I just grabbed it. I'm looking forward to hearing it. And I'm sure that uh, as it kind of gets released uh, to the public in just a couple of months, I, I have a feeling that a lot of people will be saying a lot of things, either positive or negative, just because they seem to be quite the polarizing band. Yep. Uh, well, very well said. And uh, I was wondering if you had a chance to listen to anything yourself um, um, before we get into some Gamma Ray. Yeah, you had recommended this um, song from a band called Elettra Storm, which is a, an Italian melodic power metal band. Um, and uh, I had never heard of them before, but I had noticed that they were popping up on my YouTube um, you know, recommendations column on the right-hand column. And like I was busy working on something and just didn't ever get a chance to click on it. Eventually that YouTube algorithm just when it just keeps hitting, um, eventually like curiosity is going to get the best of me and I'm going to check it out. But you <laughs> so, beat, so you're you saying beat, it works. Yeah. It be, it, you beat me to the punch though. Um, I really enjoyed this quite a bit. Um, I believe this is a brand new band. Um, they have an album coming out called power Lords. Uh, that is actually kind of, it'll be out by the time this episode drops uh, on February 16th. And I'm definitely going to check out the whole album because the single impressed me. But um, the uh, the names of the band members are Crystal uh, Emilani, em- Emiliani on vocals, Francis D. Mary on uh, guitars and backing vocals, Matteo Anthony on guitars, David Sportiello on bass and keyboards, and Matteo Norbedo on drums. So um, I'll be curious to see if the rest of the album is uh, follows along this, um, you know, just how good this first track, Origin of Dreams, is. But uh, definitely something to check out. I'll be curious to see how this one uh, fares in, in full album form. 
Uh, yeah, I, 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 I heard it and I immediately thought of you. I, I think I heard about 30 seconds. I'm like, yeah, I'll just send this to Chris. I don't even need to hear the rest. Uh, I liked it. I, I, I'm, it's, I'm curious to hear the rest of it. it I don't think it was, um, revolutionary by any means, but certainly well done. And certainly I think worth checking out some more. So, uh, good stuff. Always, always try to plug the new stuff that people may not be as familiar with. So I think this definitely crosses off or, or checks that box, but we're going to, we're going to transition now to Gamery's power plant album, which came out March 23rd, 1999. As I said, just under 25 years ago, next month, I'm going to start with what I can only say is probably the weirdest question that I've ever opened up a podcast episode with. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Gamma Ray's power plant, is that one word or two? Because I've always thought it was one word, but now I'm looking online and it seems like most places have it as power plant, two words. One or two words, my friend, educate me. I, I always had it as two words. There's a slight space in between that r and p on the uh mm. the album cover which by the way was um the the uh cover art was done by derek riggs who created eddie for iron maiden um so i, I very cool uh artwork i think um but yeah uh i think when i was younger i thought it was one word but um i guess like a a, a real power plant you wouldn't wouldn't be one word anyway so um Fair enough. Uh, I guess I think two words is going to be the final final answer on this one. So after 25 years, I'm going to change my iTunes. Um, I'm not sure that I'm mentally prepared for this because this is really a seismic shift in my discography. But nonetheless, I had to open with this because I found it interesting. And when I saw it as two words, I almost found it jarring because I wasn't expecting it. But uh, certainly, is, is, the, is your ranking of the album going to suffer based on this information? Certainly, my spelling has. I don't know if my ranking will, but uh, <laughs> it's. I, I'd ask why you selected this, but I think it's fairly obvious. We have done uh, in the archives. We did Land of the Free, the first Gamma Ray album with Kai Hansen. We covered Somewhere Out in Space, which is maybe the 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 biggest underrated gem in there in hot tired discography i don't know that that gets the love that some that uh, land of the free does and this is kind of the third of of the gamma ray trifecta if you will in full candor and i'm just going to start with everything that came after this the band really lost me after this i didn't think that the follow up to this was so good i believe there was no world order 
And everything that they've done since then really kind of never grabbed me. And that was when I was still in my power metal heyday. I just think that these three albums, including Power Plant, were so far beyond, no pun intended, but just so far beyond what their other stuff was that it just like everything else felt like a step or two down and it just never clicked for me. Did you have that experience or was Power Plant and everything that came forward or after that just more great Gamma Ray? Uh, it was similar. Um, I thought No World Order was a step down from Power Plant, but I still think it was probably the best album that they've done um, up till now before, <laughs> you know, not counting anything prior to it. Like, um, there's some songs I really like, Damn the Machine, Heaven or Hell, New World Order, um dethrone tyranny like there's uh, there's some really good tracks on this album it feels like they started to go in a little bit more of a judas priest direction um at at this point um i when majestic came out in 2005 i was kind of not my i was it was kind of in my lost metal years and i remember listening to it and not thinking it was that great. I remember seeing them live and playing some songs from this album. I believe they were touring this album. There is one song called How Long that I think is a freaking banger off of this album, but I thought in general. And that's kind of how it was for me like going forward is that like they would have they'd come out with an album and there'd be a song like Land of the Free 2, there was a song called Rain, and then there would be a song from To the Metal and a song from, you know, Empire of the Undead and like so there'd always be a couple of songs that, that would scream out to me, but then like the album on a whole, like I would always think it was good, but I just never felt like they got back to the, the heights of these three albums. And to be honest with you, like I started with land of the free and never really delved into the first three albums that they did with Ralph Sheepers more. So just like listening to the songs individually throughout different times and there's a lot of really good songs on the 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 pre-kai vocal uh albums if you will but i don't really know them like start to finish uh nearly as well as i do these three which i kind of consider like the they're not really in the middle of the discography they're kind of towards the beginning um the beginning middle i guess if you will but like i don't know to me like these three albums just they always they go together um and just for me like it just they happen to be the three albums that came out during my time listening to metal while i was in high school so there's i'm sure there's a nostalgia aspect to it but um that's kind of my feeling with Gamma Ray, like I, I think that they've always been a very good band, and their albums are have always been good. They've never released a bad album, in my opinion. Um, but it's been a long time since they released a really great album, and I'd argue that Power Plant might be the last really great Gamma Ray album. I agree with all of that. I, I think that there's actually some fans of those first three albums. I, Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Carl Cadden James say that like that's that was his bread and butter those first three Gamma Ray albums? So um, I think he said like "Sigh No More" was one of his favorite albums of all time. Yeah, it's and, and it's funny because I saw him at a we saw him at a Gamma Ray show, which I at remember the time that <laughs> made no sense to me. Like I was just the most bizarre pairing. But then obviously when we have when we talked to him, it it, it made a little more sense. Uh, but I I digress. 
I agree. This was the last of the great albums. And I'm, I'm really curious to see how it compares for you to the prior two, which we gave very high scores to you slightly higher than me, but just, you know, they, they, they had hit their stride at this point and were just kind of dipping their toe into the Judas priest pool that you kind of mentioned, because I think that that does rear its head on some of this stuff. But by and large, this is a classic power metal album that I'm, you know, again, uh, very much looking forward to because there's some tracks on this album that I would put amongst the best in the discography. There's others that I would say are very, very good. And then there's a couple of quasi clunkers as well. But I I, I use that term um, with all due and respect and deference to St. Anger, which is full of clunkers. But like... Like even the worst songs on this are are not bad. It's just not as good as some of the other stuff, at least for me. But it's it's the classic Gamma Ray lineup. It's Kai Hansen on vocals and guitars, Henjo Richter on guitar, Dirk Schlachter on bass, and Dan Zimmerman on drums. This is um this is the lineup that that I think Gamma Ray is most known for. And with the exception of of Dan Zimmerman. You know, all of these guys, I believe, are still in the band, obviously, with the addition of, of that new singer that they added to kind of help Kai with, with some of the touring duties. That's kind of setting the stage. Again, if we go back to 1999, it's kind of power metal is resurging at this point. All these new bands like Sonata Artica and Rhapsody have just hit the scene. Uh, bands like Anger and Halloween are still obviously doing their thing, Blind Guardian as well. And, uh, you know, they they come out with this this album to, to you know two years after somewhere out in space and i think it's a very admirable follow-up so um you know unless you've got anything else i think we just dive into it and kind of see yeah what i would just add that this is the sixth full-length gamma ray album and it's the first album where the lineup remained the same from the previous album that had never happened up to this point. Um, there was always just kind of like a revolving door, you know, Uli Kush who would eventually end up in Halloween was drum drummed on the Cy no more album. Um, you know, Dirk Schlachter originally was the guitar player for gamma ray and then switched over to bass when, um, Kai, uh, or no, I'm sorry, when they brought Henjo on board, um, so it's really interesting that the band for its first five albums had five different lineups and now they're starting to show a little bit more of uh consistency and the the lineup would stay the same until I believe um only their most recent album, Empire of the Undead, um Dan Zimmerman had left the band and was replaced by Michael Array. Um but that was a that was without a doubt the longest stretch of of um of a consistent lineup for Gamma Ray, unless you count the sabbatical currently uh, as as a stretch. But they haven't released an album in uh, about ten years now. So um, and I would imagine that Kai's involvement with Halloween probably has something to do with that. Um, I know uh, Henjo is. Um, has a, has another band that he uh, does the Unity, um, but I believe they only released two albums in 2017, 2018, and I'm not sure anything else has happened since then. So I don't know. I don't know if there's. Um, I thought I'd heard that there was a Gamma Ray show in Europe maybe later this year. Um, they're they're playing shows a little bit more often than Ed Guy. I'll say that, but um, <laughs> few, few and far between. But uh, I'll just yeah. Uh, I, I, go ahead. No, go ahead, please. 
Oh, I, I was just going to say, um, yeah, I, I think that, that pretty much covers it for me. So I was going to just add, um, not to correct you, but the Unity actually has four albums in total. They've been steadily releasing albums, including something that came out last year called The Hellish Joyride. So just oh, then, that, then someone needs to update their Wikipedia page. <laughs> it's no doubt about that. I, I just, I mention it because, uh, in, in full deference to, to Michael Era and Henjo Richter, which is basically half of the Unity, they are, they're still going strong while Kai is kind of touring with Halloween. So just, um, no shortage of, of of new material from 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 those two guys, but uh, you know, here we are. Let's uh, let's dive into it. This album kicks off with, I think, what can only be described as a uh, Kai Hansen special, "Anywhere in the Galaxy." And I say that because when you hear this song, in many ways, it brings me back to some of that earlier Halloween stuff that he had done, and it's it's clearly a Kai track. It's a it's it's not the fastest song on the album, but it's a real banger of a quicker mid pace tune. I think is the way I'll describe it. What what jumps out to me right away is 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 Dan Zimmerman's drumming. I think that on this track, his chops are on full display, and I've always thought he's one of the better power metal drummers out there. His 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 not only the way that the, the album is produced with the drum tone and the drum sounds, but really just some of the most innovative power metal drum fills that you can find. And I think they're on, like I said, you, you hear a lot of them on this track. What I don't think I remembered or realized was how many keyboards were used to kind of sweeten the sound or maybe make it a fuller sound. And it's not everywhere, but in certain spots, uh, especially on a track like this, they are used, and they do make for a really nice, full band sound. I think this is a great opening track. Very good verses with a really catchy, upbeat chorus. And I like the use of the layered vocals. Um, Kai sounds great, but when you actually use multiple tracks with him on it during the chorus, it gives a kind of a um, a complete or this full sound, which is which is nice. A really melodic opening track that I've little doubt you're a big fan of. Oh yeah, what a great way to kick things off. One of the things I like about Gamma Ray, especially during this time, is that you know we talk about the trope of the power metal band having the minute and a half like you know orchestral or symphonic intro, a la Rhapsody. Even Halloween did it on the Keeper albums. Gamma Ray just gets right to business at the start of their albums. You know, the previous album, Somewhere Out in Space, they kick off with Beyond the Black Hole. And this is kind of similar. It's a really, like, high-energy, you know, fast-paced, just kick-ass power metal song that absolutely fits the time period that it was released in. Um, the the production on the album, just I'll just say, say it up front, is, is excellent. It still holds up. Um just a really killer start to the album. And I, I echo everything that you had to say about it. Um, I, I just love this song. And, and this, I have to say, this has been one of the most difficult choices uh, for song of the week for, with this album. I, I There's at least five or six songs on this album that, that could have been song of the week. Uh, I'd be very curious to see if, we land on the same one, but I mean, it really is almost like a uh, close your eyes and point. Um, honestly, there's only like a, maybe two songs that I don't think are just outstanding on this whole album. And 
I'm sure you could probably guess as to, as to which two those are, but um, uh, we'll be commenting on those as we get to them. Yeah, and, I, and I, I mean, I'm even including the the bonus track, which was a, a rainbow cover. Um, just another really awesome track as well, and we'll get to that towards the end. But um, yeah, th- this is uh, this is just a hell of a start to a hell of an album. Yeah, no, no argument here. I'm 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 a little bit. I'll say this in my mind. I always thought this album was uh, very complete in that. I don't remember a lot of dead spots, but I have to say the front end of this album in particular is just stellar. And and dare I say the first five tracks are just as good as it gets. It's just one banger after another. It really is. But then when you get to the sixth track, short as hell, and we'll get there, I do think it takes a little bit of a step back. But to your point, there's about five or six tracks that could easily be my song of the week. Although when I settled on one, I was very confident with my choice. I immediately thought, I wonder if Chris chooses the same song, which would be ironic on an album where there's a lot of possibilities. And I think one of those possibilities is Razorblade Sigh, though it is not mine. Track number two. What are your thoughts on this one? I'll let you lead the way. I'm trying, you know, I remember, I want to say, and this might be selective memory, but I want to say this was the song that they released before the album came out. I don't know if there was like a official single, but I remember maybe like uh, this was kind of in the earlier days of the internet being used as a, as a tool to promote music. But I just, I feel like this was the first song I heard from the album, which is interesting because it is a little bit more, it's a more mid paced song, especially compared to um, the previous track and the following track, which I think is, is good because I think that rather than come out with three really like, over-the-top, fast-paced songs. It was good to kind of... This one's definitely an upbeat song, but it's just slower, uh, a little bit slower. Um, but I, I I remember not loving this song that much at first, and now with, like, hindsight being 2020, like, I absolutely love this song, and um, I, I love that it feels different than the previous song and, and the next song. Um, it, it's And I think it's, it's well-placed. I think this album we've talked about um albums that we disagreed with like the track the track listing i think they nailed it on on this album um i think it's right where it needs to be if nothing else maybe they could have just lost a song um it's it's dense it's about 65 minutes but i agree with you this was never a favorite of mine back 25 years ago but over time it's become one of my favorites on the album at least in the top half um, there's something about the intro and the production where if you're listening with headphones, it actually sounds like surround sound, which is really kind of cool and a nice touch. What jumps out to me are the really tight bass lines. And I don't know that I've ever mentioned Dirk Schlachter or, or his work other than just being part of the band, but some really nice bass work on the album and on this track in particular. And the chorus is just another earworm. It, it, it's a little bit of a sign of things to come. It reminds me of some of the stuff that would be on the next album, but I just thought it was better, better 
a better version of it. Um, although you could see them kind of going in that direction. And then there's this bridge towards the end, which actually is almost a nod to Rebellion in Dreamland, one of my favorite Gamma Ray songs. I am a fan of this, and, and, and they do something that's a little cliche, but it actually works exceptionally well. And that's right at the end, they repeat the last chorus, but Kai Hansen and the whole band goes up an octave. And again, it's a little bit um, shtickish, but at the same time, it's really good. And I, I'm, I'm a fan of this song. It's very well done. And the irony is if you had to rank it compared to the the other songs in the first half of this album, it's probably the worst of the five, <laughs> to be honest with you. So just a lot. I don't of know that I would disagree with that. It's um, yeah. I mean, well, think about it. Like the next song is a song that I actually for many years didn't enjoy. I think for some reason, send me a sign was one of those songs where I had just been sick of it after a while. And maybe I was mad at them for not playing it at prog power three when they were supposed to as their last track. But for some reason, I never really loved the song because I thought that there was better material on the album, but I, you know, with the benefit of hindsight it's a great song and it has a somewhere out in space vibe, which is kind of cool. And it just is almost a continuation of what they were doing on the album prior. I, think it's a really tight tune. I can see why they use it as a single and why they often close shows with it. And again, the the interplay between the bass lines and the drum fills that drive these verses along are nothing short of amazing. My only knock as I sit here today is the fake crowd noise that they use towards the end. But even that, I'll give them a pass. A really tight song that has actually gotten better for me uh, with time for a song that came out as a single. Yeah. Um, I am I'm, I'm right there with you on this one. Uh, this was always a favorite of mine just because it's this, it's just the kind of song that I gravitate towards, uh, 10 times out of 10. One of the things that I think really clicked with Gamma Ray on, on this album and, and somewhere out in space prior to this is that, the other members of the band were contributing to the songwriting. It wasn't just Kai writing all the songs. And while Kai Hansen is one of the greatest power metal songwriters of all time, um, Henjo Richter, who wrote this song and also happened to um, write my song of the week on Somewhere Out in Space, uh, The Winged Horse, huh. uh, is no slouch uh, in the songwriting department, nor nor is Dirk, um, nor is Dan Zimmerman, who wrote Strangers in the Night. Like, th- this is a, a, all four band members are contributing to the songwriting process, which you don't see drummers that often. I, Uli did it with Halloween, but, like, you don't see drummers that often contributing songwriting, um, at least in, in power metal, to, to my to my knowledge. And so seeing that is really interesting. And, um, and the reason I chose now to bring that up is because this was, you know, uh, this was a song that Henjo wrote. The first two were written by Kai. Um, and it just adds that a little bit of a different flavor. It still sounds like Gamma Ray, but instead of every song kind of sounding derivative, each song has its own kind of flavor and its own, it just makes it feel unique and, and not repetitive. Excellent point. I, 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 I'm really glad you brought that up. And I thought it was timely given that this song has, has certainly, as I said, grown on me. It's, it's, it's interesting that even in the first half of this album, you've got Kai Hansen with two songs, Henjo with Send Me a Sign. And the next two tracks, the, the main songwriter, as you mentioned, is Dan Zimmerman. And I have to say, 
two of the best songs in the Gamma Ray catalog, back to back, just right in the middle of this album. Really good stuff. And I'm, I'm talking about Strangers in the Night and Gardens of the Sinner. Holy smokes. Either one of these could have been my song of the week. I'll, I'll start with Strangers in the Night just because it comes first. One of the most underrated songs in their entire discography. I love the guitar tone at the soft. It kind of comes in soft. And then all of a sudden, bang, it, it just comes back with a vengeance. This is a fast banger of a tune. Kai is just hitting some high notes that you just don't expect to hear from him. It's almost like they were written for Michael Kiske and he just never sang them on an old Halloween album. I love the way this song is structured because there's a lot of ideas here, but unlike St. Anger, here it seemed like they fit together seamlessly, even though that there's clearly like some song construction that they're kind of putting pieces together. This is how I like my power metal a great instrumental section, by the way, that really advances the song. It's not just there as a placeholder, but the instrumental section actually lends itself towards the end of the song, and it has an epic ending. This is a phenomenal song. I kind of hope it's your song of the week because it's not mine, but it could have been. It's not mine, but it could have been. Okay, fair <laughs> uh, enough. Fair enough. And, and honestly, so and and the next song could have been as well, and it also is not. But um, ah. yeah, I agree with you that these two songs are just outstanding. Um, Zimmerman just hits it out of the park. Um, he really didn't have my he 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 co-wrote Beyond the Black Hole and and did and and the the drum solo on um. Somewhere on Space, which was called Cosmic Chaos. Those were his only two songwriting credits. So th- this is kind of like, you know, Strangers in the Night, it was solely uh, attributed to him. Gardens of the Sinner was a co written by him and Kai. Um, but I-, I agree 100%. Although it took me a little while to kind of realize that this wasn't going to be a Frank Sinatra cover. Um, <laughs> th- I-, I remember loving this song right away when I first heard it. I still do. Um, I, I agree with everything you said about it. And yet I think gardens of the sinner is even slightly even better. I was going to ask you which of the two you preferred. I agree with you. Gardens of the sinner, second best song on the album, not my song of the week, which leads me to believe that we have the same song of the week. However, uh, this, this song gardens of the sinner is, Interesting, if for no other reason that it's placed smack dab in the middle of the album, where normally this is where you kind of have some of that filler stuff. Not here. They front loaded this thing until you get to the back end of the album. Arguably, arguably my favorite song on the disc, if not my second favorite for sure. Melodic verses and probably my favorite chorus on the album. A great live tune. This is one of those songs that you just hope they play live. It's just so catchy, and I like the changes of pace throughout. It just mixes it up enough that it keeps the song fresh. Great guitar solo, which just reminds me of something out of Keeper's Era Halloween stuff. A, a gem of a song, and and a tr- like I said, a real treat when you get to hear this live. I remember when they played this at Prague Power 3, and I was so excited to hear it. And it was cool because... At the time, Gamma Ray had been doing their Skeletons in the Closet tour, which I believe was like fan voted. Uh, it was a fan voted set list of songs that the band just didn't play live as often. Um, and so a lot of the set at Prague Power was based 
off of that. Um, you know, Which they, is ironic because they, they never played here, so they probably could have done a greatest hit set and nobody would have complained. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, looking back, you know, they released a live album called Skeletons in the Closet to go alongside that tour, and they, were, they played songs like Guardians of Mankind and, uh, you know, Last Before the Storm, Razorblade Psy was on there, uh, Rich and Famous, All of the Damned, which I think was like one of the lesser appreciated songs from Land of the Free. Um, and Gardens of the Sinner is like the opening track uh, on this album after the one minute intro. And it's just a fantastic song. I think it, it the build towards the end and then it just it just ends in the most epic, epic way. Um what an outstanding, just an outstanding song. I, I, I couldn't, it's like one of those songs I don't think about all the time, but then I hear it and I'm like, holy shit, like this is like one of the best Gamma Ray songs ever. And, and I feel like I'm repeating some of the stuff that I said about Somewhere Out in Space because like The Guardians of Mankind was another song. It's a song Henjo wrote that I think like kind of got overshadowed by some of the other songs that we're on that album, and that's like another one of the great underappreciated Gamma Ray songs as well. So, uh, just these three albums again. I'm just going to repeat myself. Is just some of the most stellar songwriting for power metal that that in my taste or my, in my opinion I've ever heard. Would you agree that as we're five songs into a an eleven song album, that it takes a little bit of a dip right here? Yes, uh, basically, this is a a sandwich in which the meat is delicious and the bread is just okay. Uh, these <laughs> these three songs that that follow. Um, I never you was said a it fan. Backwards, it's the meat, the 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 buns, the outside of this thing are just toasted to perfection, but the meat is a little. I don't know, more akin to Subway than Peter Luger. Is right. That, is that- I'm I'm describing this in a micro sense of these next three tracks because I never really was a fan of Short as Hell. I still think it's an all right song. For whatever reason, they play it live a lot. Um, maybe just because it's kind of a more chill type of song. It's probably the slowest, uh, slowest tempoed song on the album. It's just a little simplistic to me. Um, it doesn't really have any of the hooks that the first five songs had. It and actually, I think that it's fine. It's the shortest song on the album. It's right in the middle. It kind of makes for a break. So I, I can't really say too much bad about it, but it's it might be my least favorite song on the album. It's not my least favorite song on the album. We'll I know what there. yours is. Oh, it's, it's, it's no surprise, Chris. I think I've been touting this for 25 years uh, <laughs> long before this podcast was even a thought in our minds but this is maybe my second um least favorite song on the album it has a kind of a cool groovy baseline to start and the drums actually give it a strong metallica vibe but i'm talking like classic you know ride the lightning era metallica and it's it's fine but what i think i don't like about the song is it actually reminds me a lot of we'll call it modern gamma ray right like after this album, the No World Era and Beyond Era, that's what this song reminds me of. And it could have been on any of those other albums, and I would have said it it fits. Here, I just think it lacks the hooks that some of the other songs do, especially in the chorus. It almost feels like a placeholder, but it's not needed on an album that's 65 minutes long. They could have just skipped it. I don't, I don't love it. And then they 
for seemingly no reason, go right into It's a Sin, which Chris, for the longest time, I didn't realize was a Pet Shop Boys cover. <laughs> I had no idea. So I, I learned that within the last five or seven years. Uh, that being said, it's a pretty cool cover. It's just a little weird to have it in the middle of the album. I suppose it wouldn't have made sense, though, to stick it after the last track because of the way that this album kind of ends. But yeah, they they cover Pet Shop Boys' It's a Sin as the seventh track on this album. It's good. It has a different feel than the rest of the album and probably could have been a bonus track. Awesome keyboards throughout. And and somehow they've metalized it and and they even have that gallop to it which we you know have have talked about especially in some of their older episodes it's a good cover it's just maybe not necessary i I don't know it's very necessary justin and i love this (laughs) i love this cover it's so weird to have a 80s new wave band covered by a 90s power metal german power metal band (laughs) in the dead center of this like album that's just kicking ass up to up until this point i always loved this song and i think that they like you said power metalized this song that has such a just such an excellent melody um i don't know that i've ever actually heard the original version of the song but I've heard Ghost cover it. I've heard Lord of the Lost cover it. Uh, Gamma Ray was the first version I ever heard. It's a really killer tune, and and I've I've you know I talk about how I, how much I enjoy '80s new wave music just because I think it's some of the catchiest earworm type stuff you you can find. It's just in such a um, such a like like a wacky kind of way with the with the synths and everything. And this I think just kind of they 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 found the metal within the song and pulled it out and and it's just fantastic i could not imagine listening to this album without this song i think it's it's essential to the listening experience and i love that they just stuffed it right in the middle just like here here you go like just here's a uh, it's just so odd like i i I don't know i enjoy it chris it's not that i don't enjoy it it's just random and and like not it doesn't jive with the rest of the album and they just kind of threw it in the middle. Uh, but, but speaking of songs that don't jive, we get to heavy metal universe. I will start by saying this is not my song of the week. I will follow that up by saying I've never liked this song and I find it to be just a complete dud on an even short as hell is, is better than this to me. Am I missing something? But if I wanted to listen to a Manor War song, I'd go put on Kings of Metal, but here they've got this song that, given the quality of this album, another song that could have easily been a bonus track, it's to me almost obviously a nod to Man of War because they even talk about Master of the Wind and the Sound of Thunder and all that stuff. I never got into this song. It's got a decent guitar solo, but it's far from the best on the album. Am I missing something or 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 are you going to tell me this is a, a song that you actually enjoy or what? No, I never understood the song. Um, it, it's another song. Uh, Short as Hell was a Kai song. Kai, this is another Kai song. The only thing I can think of is that they were trying to make a Manowar song because that even went back in, in the early days of, of me hearing this album, this just felt like, a Gamera, uh, Jesus Christ, a Manowar song. Um, it just, it, I don't know if they were, if it was tongue in cheek, 
but it's like a fairly regular song in their set list over the years. And I will say it makes for a way more fun live experience. Um, but it is other than short as hell, probably my least favorite song on the album. Um, it's, it I don't hate it. It's break. just, I think it just pales in comparison to pretty much everything else. It, it makes for a good beer break. If when this, when they play this song live, I run to the bathroom I get beers for everyone, and then I go back to my spot on the floor. And seemingly, the the uh, you know the five and a half minutes are up at that point, and I'm I'm much happier for it. I've got no use for this. If I wanted to <laughs> listen to it, I'd go back to Man of War. And it's just it's interesting because some of the stuff here is so good. You know, as we kind of get into the other piece of the bun here, the last three tracks again, it, it takes off like a rocket ship again with these last three. It's just it's 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 a song I never I've never understood, but fortunately, Wings of Destiny serves as a nice palate cleanser. What are your thoughts on this? Another Henjo Richter track, his second on the album. Uh, this um, is so. My memory of this album was like. When I first heard it, the five, the first five songs just blew my socks off. And then like, they kind of lost me a little with short as hell, came back with it's a sin, lost me again with heavy metal universe. And then like, I feel like I didn't really appreciate the last three tracks until I listened to the album a bit more. Um, you know, not, not a long time later, but probably within the, the first year or two that I had it, but for whatever reason, it was just like, the the first five songs hit so hard that it was almost like like the album almost like blew its load early um and then i would come to really 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 love especially the next two tracks wings of destiny and hand of fate i just think are two of the best gamma ray songs again um i battled between which of these two would be my song of the week it really could have been either of them. It also could have been gardens of the sinner for that matter. Um, but um, I, I, I think this is outstanding. And again, it, it shows that uh, Henjo Richter is a force as a songwriter. Um, I think that it has um, just something just so, uh, so epic about it. And it kind of, I, I think has that same kind of vibe that the winged horse had on the previous album where it just, was it's over the top in just all the best ways. I just think this song is is outstanding, and um, it's weird that like it just took me a little while when I first got the album to kind of like pick up on these two tracks. And then Armageddon was a song that I didn't really even appreciate until years later because I was just like, I think I was just done by the time Hand of Fate was over. I was like, I just heard like eight of my favorite Gamma Ray songs, like I don't really need anymore. And then that's another song that I think over time has definitely grown on me, especially after hearing it perform live. But um, I just, I just love um, the, the guitar solos are, are just fantastic. Everything about it. It's just a phenomenal song. Um, it's not my song of the week though. <laughs> uh, well, it's funny you mentioned that it's, you know, we talked about the Judas priest sound that they'd be moving to. This actually sounds like it should have been a Judas priest song just based on the title. It's got this amazing drum intro and a phenomenal, phenomenal riff that just kicks this thing off. 
believe it or not, there's another band that came to mind that we covered where I never realized it, but it reminded me a lot of Lost Horizon and just the way that those two albums that they had um, had a similar feel to this one song. But what's interesting about Wings of Destiny is that as good of a song as it is, it never gets mentioned alongside some of the other heavy hitters from the band. It's almost like the forgotten track compared to all the other ones that are very, very good, if not great. This one a little bit proggier than most because there's a lot of ideas crammed into it, but it works. But I got to say of the last three, probably my least favorite. I think it actually gets better with Hands of Fate and maybe even better with Armageddon. But uh, let, you mentioned Hands of Fate. I'm curious if this is your song of the week because you kind of alluded to the fact that it could have been. Is it? Yes, yes, it is. It, it, and it, it was a tough, it was just a really difficult choice. But um, this was just always a song that I, I just really, really, really liked. Um, I want to say, let's see, I'll have to look. I'm pretty sure. Um, did I put it on a play? Yes, I put it on one of my early playlists from 2000, um, which I don't know that I used a ton of. Songs from this album, if not, this might have been the only one. So at one point, I did consider it my favorite song um, 24 years ago. Huh. Um, it's um has a little bit more of, of an earlier Gamma Ray kind of vibe, I think, because Dirk wrote it. Um, but this is just another song. I think it just builds and builds and builds. It's really epic. I think it's a little... A little less high energy than Wings, or I'm sorry, than Wings of Destiny. Um, it's a little bit more. I don't want to call it like a power ballad, but it's 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 a little bit more mid mid tempo and a little bit more dramatic, I guess. Um, but it's just something about it just works for me. Again, it's like every song on this album just has incredible guitar solos. Just just Enjo and Kai are just such a force together and the fact that like Dirk had to like take a uh, kind of take a back seat and become the bass player huh. and and it still just writes this banger of a song it's the only song on the album that he has songwriting credits for but i mean he really just nailed it um with this one but um there was a time i remember where i would listen to this album and i'd just be like as good as everything is up until this point wings of destiny and hand of fate are just so good that and and I think that, like you said, you say Wings of Destiny is never mentioned. I don't feel like Hand of Fate's ever really mentioned either. Like, these two songs are so freaking good. And it's like, I don't even know if they played them live or, or, or if they ever thought about playing them live. If They, they, should, they should do a, a comeback and just play all the songs that we tell them to play. Uh, like Gardens <laughs> like of the Sinner and Guardians of Mankind. And, and there's, just, there's just so many of these, like, you know not obvious gamma ray songs there's so many good ones and and these two definitely are it um so uh before i yammer on even further uh we'll give hand of fate a, a listen and and um i think we can pretty much surmise what your song of the week is going to be uh when we get back but uh in the meantime hand of fate
when I went back and listened to this album, I realized that Hand of Fate actually starts out like a ballad. And then I realized that the album doesn't actually have a true ballad to speak of, but they give you a taste of it here. And then it turns around really fast. This thing has a really epic sound to it. More than anything else, I actually love the grandiose nature of it and the cadence to the song. There's something about the cadence to this that I love. It is well-placed at the end of the album. I don't know that it would have fit up front, but as a song on the back half of the album, I agree with you. It's excellent. There's something about the contrasting guitar tones during the instrumental section, which works so well. And then it fades out for almost no reason and then comes back with a vengeance afterwards. It's kind of interesting, and I'd love to know what the point of that part of the song was. But yeah, good choice. And obviously, a segue into what can only be described as my song of the week, the last track, Armageddon. And and before I talk about the last track and why I chose it, it's interesting that the both of us just raved about the first five songs on this album. And what did we do? Not choose any of them. It's kind of ironic when you think about it. But Armageddon is my song of the week. This was a song I never appreciated back in 1999. But I think somewhere around 2007-ish, this song just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I realized that it's not only my favorite song on the album, and it held up this week as well. It's one of my favorite songs from the entire Gamma Ray catalog. I would put it up there with Rebellion in Dreamland and Somewhere Out in Space. From the opening riff, this thing kicks ass and Kai's vocals are great. The drum fills are amazing. It's fast. And I just can't think of a better way to talk about the end of the world than listening to this. Uh, I, I have a couple of more thoughts, but let's give this one a quick listen. And then I want you to come back in and share yours as well. This is Gamma Ray's Armageddon. This is an example, I think, of how I like my power metal. It's a long song, but at no point would you say it's repetitive. And the song almost goes off the rails a bit during the bridge and the instrumental section, but comes back almost seamlessly with that final chorus. Just a great song. I put it up there easily in their top five songs of all time, and I don't know that there's a better way to end this thing. It ends tight. It ends crisp and then you're gone and out to the next thing uh, you know I, I just think that there's some songs in the middle i would have cut out but otherwise this is a really good album and it belongs up there with the other with the other two heavy hitters from the catalog 
where does Armageddon fall for you? And, and, and do you think that my hype is a little too much or, or would you agree with the high praise? Um, I, it's, it's like a, a smidge too much, but uh, I mean, I got it. Like I, I like, I, this was another late bloomer for me. Um, and the thing that's amazing about it is that like, they could have ended the album on hand of fate and it still would have been an outstanding album. The last like minute of hand of fate sure. has kind of like an epic, like outro kind of vibe to it. And then they just come in and be like, wait, we got one more and it's almost nine minutes long and it's going to kick your ass. And, and I remember like hearing them play this song live. And I think that is what really made me appreciate it more is hearing it in a live setting because I don't know, maybe just my attention span kind of drowned out by the time I got reached track 11 on this meaty album with all these great songs. And then, then not to mention this last track is almost nine minutes long, but in retrospect, it is one of the best songs on the album. I don't know if I would put it in my top five Gamma Ray songs of all time, but I, I have no reason to argue with you for thinking so. Um, just uh, There's just so many other songs I love even more, um, many of which are on this album. Uh, but yeah, this was um, quite a ride. I, I, I just... Uh, I, I just think that this album really holds up really well. Um, even after, uh, I guess what it's been 20, it'll be 25 years in, um, next month in March, March 23rd. So yeah. Um, a little bit of an early, uh, anniversary. Um, we've made a habit of in our previous gamma ray discussions talking about, um, the additional recordings, but, in the case of, of Power Plant, I believe the only one that they recorded during these sessions was a cover of Rainbow's Long Live Rock and Roll, which is a song written by Richie Blackmore and, and Ronnie James Dio. I was not familiar with the Rainbow version of the song at the time that I heard really? Gamma Ray's version. I heard Gamma Ray's version first and really, really liked it. Uh, it's um, It was a track that I used when I was in college, I used to play the Sims and you used to be able to add your own music to the Sims computer game, um, either to play on the radio, if you want to turn your radio on in your house or when you're, um, going to like build mode and you're putting your house together or whatever. And this was one of the songs that I had played because it was just an MP3 that I had downloaded because I didn't have the Japanese version of the album. And I used to just download like individual tracks, usually bonus tracks that I didn't have on the album. And, I didn't, it was just before I was um, pulling my physical library into digital. So my, the options were very just random, you know, bonus tracks and B sides and stuff like that. Um, and so when I hear this song, I think of, I think of that time period, um, but really cool cover. Um, they did a, a re-release of all the albums in 2002, shout out to Mike and his box set. <laughs> and um what they had done is they added some of the uh, extra tracks that I think we had discussed already or I've yet to discuss. Um, a while in dreamland was from an EP that they released a little bit after um, land of the free rich and famous was a re-recording of a track from, I believe sigh no more that they did as a bonus track on the, Blast from the Past compilation that came out the year after um, Power Plant. And it, they re-recorded all of the songs that were um, done by any of the previous lineups before the one on Somewhere Out in Space and Power Plant. 
And so um, I particularly enjoyed the um, all of the, the re-recordings of the, the Ralph Sheepers era stuff just because of the upgrade in production and having Kai on vocals. Um, and then Long Live Rock and Roll was also included. But uh, to my knowledge, um, Long Live Rock and Roll was the only song from the Power Plant sessions that got any sort of um, public release. Um, did you get a chance to listen to it? And if so, did you have any thoughts on it? On the cover? Yeah, I, I think it's a great cover. I was familiar with the original. I am actually surprised we haven't done any Rainbow. That's uh, something else we have to remedy and remedy soon. But this is a very, uh, very good cover. Uh, Gamma Ray has done good covers. You can, there's another good cover with It's a Sin on here. So obviously it's not too surprising. This a little bit more in the metal vein though, obviously with Rainbow being what it was with Dio and Blackmore's um, magical guitar playing. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, Nice way to end the album. And I am really curious for you to rate this and not only rate it on a scale of one to 10, but compare it to some of the, the, the last two albums in terms of, can you rank the trifecta and, and what would you have it as? Yeah. So this took some thought, but um, I did kind of come up with how I feel. Um, I gave land of the free. Uh, well, yeah, I guess we'll just go in chronological order. We did cover somewhere on space first, but um, I gave land of the free a nine. And if memory serves, the reason why, and I know that this is such a land of the free is probably often named as like gamma rays, real magnum opus there. I'll, I'll say it this time. <laughs> um, and it, you know, you'll see it on so many lists of the greatest power metal albums of all time. I think that it's actually the weakest of the three albums, just because though it might have the strongest songs, it also, I think has the weakest duds. The weakest weak songs, I guess, if you will. I don't think there's any duds, honestly, in any of these three albums. I don't think there's a bad song. Well, but I think that the heavy metal universe, but that's not good here or there. So that's I think why I gave it a nine. Then when uh, with with somewhere out in space, which I gave a nine point three seven five, I think that um, there was more heavy hitters. Um, There still were songs that I think weren't you know, 10 out of 10s, but I thought that it was a more complete album than Land of the Free. And I don't know if this is going to be controversial or not, but I think that Power Plant is an even more complete album than Somewhere Out in Space. So I'm giving it a 9.5. Wow. It's my favorite Gamma Ray album of all time. I don't really see that changing. Um, I don't think that's going to change, no. And... It's it's just when I come back and listen to it, the truth of the matter is, is that there's two songs that are to me good and not great. Every other song on this album is is a nine or a ten, in my opinion. Um, it it's just I don't think I ever would have thought of it this way. I think I probably would have actually said my order would be in reverse before we started doing this podcast. But when I really dig into the entire album and, and just really think about each song individually and, and kind of do the, the sum of the parts, if you, if you will, I just think that this one just hits, hits the hardest for me. Um, so 
that's kind of where I'm at. I, if, if you had asked me before we started this podcast, like, you know, name your top three Gamma Ray albums, it would have been these three albums, but I probably would have said it in the reverse order. So I, I, I guess I've managed to surprise myself through, you know, being a little bit more uh, studious with my listening, but um, I feel comfortable in saying that. And uh, going back in time, um, you gave uh, Land of the Free a nine. A nine, and you gave Somewhere Out in Space an, an 8.75. So that so they're, they're on the decline for you. They are, and I think that this album continues the slide a little bit because of the two songs that I mentioned, which take me out a bit, though I acknowledge that everything else is very, very, very good to great to phenomenal. So it, it, but I can't, I can't give it a nine if there's two tracks out of 11 that I'm just not into. It would have only almost been addition by subtraction. If they took off heavy metal universe and if they took off uh, short as hell, the album would have probably been a nine point five, or maybe even a ten for me. But they left them on, and so the score will reflect those two songs, and it's an eight and a half. It's my third favorite of the trilogy. But to be fair, I think that you could throw them in a hat on any given day, and I'd be very happy to listen to all three. And depending on mood it might go up or down in a particular day or a particular week, but they're very, very close. Only a half point separating all three. And that really does that. I, I think that next we should probably do one of the Ralph Sheepers albums just to go back even further in the catalog, because I do think that everything after power plant and that's power plant with two words, not one does take a little bit of a dive for me. Uh, I'm not saying that it's not listenable. It's just, not nearly as good as the, as these three albums. Yeah, um, and I agree with you because um, the songs that I know from the first three albums, I really like, and the other songs, I just don't know. Like, I, I th- that's the funny thing. Like, looking at Insanity and Genius, which was the the last album they did with Ralph before Land of the Free, you know, tribute to the past, No Return, Last Before the Storm, Future Madhouse, Insanity and Genius. Brothers, these are all songs I absolutely love. The other songs in the album, I don't know at all. So <laughs> that it's yeah, kind of like, go. I mean, that's really where I'm at with these first three albums. So I agree, we definitely need to uh, cover them. But um, I, I just, uh, I, I just think that the 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 nine out of the eleven songs on Power Plant are just so good that like it pulls up the two songs that um, aren't quite as good. But uh, you know, I agree, like. It, it, in order to be a 10, like there, there can't be any just okay songs in my opinion. And which is, which is why I've given tens very infrequently, but um, th- this is just, uh, it's just great, man. I, 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 even just the Pet Shop Boys cover, which was so out of left field, it, it just, it, Gamma Ray just really did it justice in my opinion. And I thought that this is a band that I think just does such great covers. I mean, we talked about the, Uriah Heap cover, which was a bonus track from somewhere out in space, Return to Fantasy. I thought that was just fantastic. So, like, you know, um, I wouldn't mind going back and, and chatting about No World Order at some point, too, because I feel like that one just kind of had the unfortunate 
timing of following these three all-time classics and 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 although it definitely feels like it's it was the beginning of them turning into maybe a less of a melodic power metal band and more of like a, a kind of crunchier like Judas Priest-esque power metal band but there's I think there's still some really good songs on here I don't know that I would rank this album higher than the nine that I gave land of the free, which was the lowest of the three of the previous albums. But I'd be surprised if I gave it less than an eight. Um, so I haven't listened to it in a long time. So we'll have to maybe go back and check that out at some point, but I'm glad that we got to talk about these three, you know, the big three, as far as I'm concerned, I'd be curious to see if anybody else feels differently. If they um, prefer the older Gamma Ray stuff or, or the later Gamma Ray stuff, but these three for me are where it's at. And uh, that, that's just, uh, that's how I feel. I would love to go back and, and do No World Order, but I don't think I will have a ton of favorable things to say. It would just probably be a lot of lukewarm. It's fine. It's not bad. I don't love it, but I haven't listened to it in 20 years. So who, who knows? Um, a few news items before we get to next week. Uh, three alums of the show, and I just want to talk about some of their uh, new happenings. The first is Merciful Fate. According to bassist Becky Baldwin, new music is on the way. So it'll be interesting to hear new music from King Diamond and the gang as they've obviously just come off their very successful U.S. tour, and it's good to hear them making new music again. That was definitely a fun episode and a band we probably should go back to at some point. Another band that's in this studio, and this is um, a long time coming for obvious reasons, Dream Theater, back in the studio with Mike Portnoy after 15 years. So they are writing new material. I am sorry that James Labrie is still singing on the album for you, though I know you do prefer his studio work to his live material. I wonder why. And lastly, some news out of the Sabaton world. Uh, we mentioned on the podcast uh, that there had obviously been some lineup changes with Tommy Johansson leaving the band. They have re-engaged their prior or former guitarist, Toby England, to rejoin the band. So he will be the one filling in for Tommy for the foreseeable future. So I didn't just, know that. That's that's awesome news. Yeah, a couple of uh, a couple of news items from three. Prague uh, from three metal exchange alum. And that brings us to next week. Uh, I've had this one kind of sitting in my pocket for a while. And the reason I didn't choose it sooner was because I actually wanted to celebrate its anniversary. There is an album that came out February 23rd of 2004. So we're going back 20 years, almost to the day on this one. It's a band that we have not talked about at all and I don't know that we've ever talked about this album even offline so I'm really looking forward to this discussion and and there's elements to this band that we just haven't touched upon in general let alone you know in this context so I'll just say this the band is Orphanland and the album is Mabul and it was my first album from theirs that I remember buying shortly after it came out in 2004 it reminded me a lot at the time of Opeth, which is not a bad thing. And that's another band that we haven't done since I think the first month of the, of the podcast. So we are long overdue and don't think I have forgotten that. But I'm going to hit something kind of close to home because we're going to talk about one of 
Orphan Land's most aggressive releases, very much uh, touching on death metal in certain spots. So um, I look forward to this. This is an album that is long, long overdue, but certainly timely as we celebrate its 20th anniversary. I hope you're ready for Pat standing outside your house screaming Halo dies for until that episode I drops. Can almost, I can almost hear it. I saw him earlier today and I think I actually heard him screaming it and he didn't know I was choosing this. So you can imagine how that went over. Uh, but I digress. Mabul it is one of the heavier releases and just a bit of a change of pace because of the uh, Middle Eastern influences on this that uh, permeate this entire album. You know, I'm glad you chose this because I kind of got into Orphan Land a bit a bit later, and I remember you recommending this album to me when it first came out, and the 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 heaviness of it and the death vocals of you it. You weren't ready for it in two. I was not ready for it at you all. You were not ready for it, but, but um, I have a feeling your 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 opinion. Could well, change. after seeing them live a few times and hearing some of these songs, like I've I completely did a 180 and. um but I, I don't know that I ever really just sat down and listened to this album start to finish. So I'm looking forward to doing so. Um, this is a really great choice. I, I'm, I'm excited to to do the Nora El Nora with you. <laughs> we will dance and jump for everyone watching the video feed of the podcast. But a thank you to all who have listened. Give us a like and a follow if you think we deserve it. It certainly helps other people find the show. And obviously, uh, you know, click the links below for all of our socials and consider joining our Patreon. We certainly appreciate support. We will come back next week with our first Israeli band as we do some Orphan Land, certainly timely on a number of fronts. And then we will, uh, you know, find our way into, into March where I got to be honest, uh, there are some interesting things on the horizon, including our uh, Patreon selection, which I'm so looking forward to, just because if you think Orphan Land is heavy, you just wait, my friend. There are heavy, heavier things on the horizon. Uh, uh, so- I am I am aware of at least one of them. Um, but uh, we should mention we are once again going to uh, push our request episode up one one week um, to give me some time to get settled in my new environs. Um, so um, I, I will pick one more album after Orphan Land, and then we'll do the uh, the request on um, the 11th of March. Um, and then in April, we'll probably go back to doing it the first, um, first Monday of the month. But um, just a little programming note. And then... Uh, and then two episodes after that, we hit the big 200. So um, that'll be fun to see where we go with that and, and uh, what we cover. But um, it's it's pretty insane that we're approaching episode 200 um, from something that we at one point were not sure we would do more than one episode. Of. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how things turn out, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to some Orphan Line next week. I hope you enjoy the week, and uh, no, I will speak to you soon. All right, pal. Somebody buy my house. Take care. <laughs>